This is West Virginia Morning. I'm Teresa Wills. On a national level, the end of pandemic era benefits will affect child care costs and access. West Virginia is looking to turn to individual child care subsidies that date back to the 1960s. These centers are not going to have the money to pay living wages to the, the child, uh, to, the, to the center workers. That story and more coming up this West Virginia Morning. Support for West Virginia Morning is proudly provided by Luke Frazier. The medical value of plants is the subject of an international conference underway in Institute this week. Randy Yowie has more. Deriving medicine from plants goes back to the Egyptians. Since then, scientists have identified more than 390,000 plants on the earth, most of which have not been studied for their medicinal applications. That's the focus for the 12th annual American Council for Medicinally Active Plants Conference, now underway at West Virginia State University. One in-state presenter is Dr. Gary Rankin, Vice Dean of Biomedical Sciences with the Marshall University Jones C. Edwards School of Medicine. He says research continues to find new plant extracts to treat diseases. To treat not only cancer, but infectious disease, cardiovascular disease, many other things. Rankin says studies in medical cannabis are still emerging, like treating epilepsies that are resistant to other types of drug therapy. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Randy Yowie in Charleston. Marshall University has received national recognition for its excellence in cyber defense education. Caroline McGregor reports. The university was designated a National Center of Academic Excellence in Cyber Defense Education by the National Security Agency and the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency. The recognition is awarded to accredited academic institutions that offer cybersecurity degrees and or certificates at the associate, bachelor's and graduate levels. Marshall University's designation extends through 2028 and is expected to attract more students to help fill a current shortage of skilled cybersecurity positions. To qualify, the program had to demonstrate to the NSA its commitment to train future generations of cybersecurity professionals to reduce vulnerabilities in the national infrastructure. The recognition is expected to increase funding opportunities for the program, specifically scholarship opportunities for students. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Caroline McGregor. The Allegheny Front, based in Pittsburgh, is a public radio program that reports on environmental issues in the region. Here's their latest story about making big events and weddings eco-friendly by eliminating food waste and plastics. Can it be affordable to say, I do, to a greener wedding? This is the Allegheny Front Environment Update. I'm Carol Holsapel. Weddings and other big events can create a lot of waste. But more people are starting to think about the environment as they plan their big day. The Allegheny Front's intern, Elena King-Brice, was planning a family wedding this summer and wanted to find out more about how to make it sustainable. I've always dreamed about my wedding. Not in a conventional way. I've imagined ways to make it sustainable, like choosing a lab-grown diamond ring. My mom, Krista King, is getting married. And she's not quite sold on the idea of being an eco-bride. I don't want that to be the overwhelming feeling of the wedding. I mean, the wedding has to reflect also the bride and groom. And actually, the more I've looked into it, the more I realize she's already doing things that are considered sustainable. 
Today, she's using an old family recipe to make sugar cookies for the wedding, coloring them pink and blue to match her theme. I'm gonna go ahead and mix blue into this because mm -hmm. it's kind of hard to get the consistency. But... She's making cookies as an homage to her oma, my great-grandmother, but it's also going to reduce packaging and food waste. The food waste a lot of times is heavy uh, and it does end up taking up a lot of space or a lot of weight. It adds to the weight of the events. That's Sarah Alessio Shea, Deputy Director of the Pennsylvania Resources Council. They work with event organizers to collect things that are compostable and recyclable to prevent them from going to the landfill. Somebody's doing a rental from us that's maybe like a bar mitzvah or a wedding, you know, it might be a couple hundred pounds. Um, we might see a couple bags of compost that they come away with to thousands of pounds. Alessia O'Shea says in 2022, her group diverted 73,000 pounds of waste at events. Beyond food waste, big events still have the issue of plastic waste, like cups, forks, and straws. My mom was even planning to use plasticware at her wedding. The venue was pushing it. Tara Nonak Carroll understands that issue. I just saw the amount of landfill trash that was being accumulated, just overwhelming amounts of garbage. Nonak Carroll is the event rental manager at Tree Pittsburgh, where they started zero waste policies for events like fundraisers, business meetings, and weddings. I was really racking my brain trying to figure out how can we do this differently because we're an environmental nonprofit. Like our goal is to like help save the planet. Within the past two years, they have stopped using plastic cups and utensils and instead switched to compostable ones. Now they don't even have a trash can that goes to the landfill. They've even thought about my concern, what guests throw at the bride and groom as they walk. In place of confetti or glitter, we encourage birdseed or bubbles. Bubbles are fine. When I talk with my mom about her upcoming wedding, she worries, like I have, that places and products labeled as environmentally friendly or sustainable will cost more. When you're looking at a wedding and you're looking to cut costs, that is definitely coming to mind. Which is more important to me, you know, helping the planet out or keeping me under the budget that I've set? It's true that couples might spend more money on organic food or linen tablecloths. But watching her bake her own cookies, wash her own glassware, and do other things at home to create her wedding, I see ways that Earth-friendly choices can also save money. And this is still what excites me, finding ways my future fairy tale wedding can be firmly planted on Earth. For the Allegheny Front, I'm Elena King-Bryce. And that's the Allegheny Front Environment Update. I'm Carol Hosopel. The Allegheny Front is based in Pittsburgh and reports on regional environmental news. This is West Virginia Morning. I'm Teresa Wills. It's 7.51. Areas of fog this morning, partly cloudy skies today, high temperatures in the 60s. Rain tonight and tomorrow, lows tonight in the 40s and 50s, highs tomorrow in the 50s and 60s. Support for WVPB is provided by the Friends of Spring Hill Cemetery Park and Arboretum. Presenting History Comes Alive, Sunday, October 22nd. 1 to 4 p.m. at Spring Hill Cemetery, Charleston. Info and activities on their face group, Facebook group page. 
This is West Virginia Morning. On a national level, the end of pandemic era benefits will affect child care costs and access. West Virginia hopes to avoid those shortfallings by relying on individual child care subsidies that date back to the 1960s. Emily Rice has more. September 30th marked the official end of federal pandemic-related stabilization money aimed at bolstering child care services in the U.S., meaning states had to have spent their allotted funds by that date. In 2021, $40 billion in funding went to child care centers across the nation from the American Rescue Plan Act known as ARPA. According to the Administration for Children and Families, in West Virginia, 645 child care centers and 925 child care family homes received stabilization payments totaling more than $160 million. The child care centers used the funds to pay for personnel costs and keep programs staffed. In some cases, child care centers used the funds to keep prices lower for parents struggling to pay for child care. Child care family homes mostly used the money to pay for personal protective equipment to ensure safe environments for children and staff. Of that $160 million total, $101 million in ARPA funding was allocated to DHHR's child care subsidy program. In order to increase reimbursement rates and allow child care providers to be paid on the basis of enrollment in their programs rather than daily attendance. Kent Novisky is the Deputy Commissioner for Programs and Policy at the Bureau for Family Assistance at the DHHR. We switched to doing something that providers had been asking for for a long time, which was to pay them uh, a monthly rate for each child enrolled in their setting uh, instead of a daily rate that they had to calculate based on the attendance of the child. While the 2021 ARPA stabilization funds were a source of additional funding, West Virginia has had access to child care subsidies since the Appalachian Regional Development Act. We here at the, at the West Virginia Department of Health and Human Resources, or even before it was the Department of Health and Human Resources, we've been doing that since 1969. That, ha- that is an ongoing thing. It is not going away. Those child care subsidies are not going away. Julie Keshen is the Director of Women's Economic Justice and a Senior Fellow at the Century Foundation, a progressive think tank in Washington, D.C. One of the differences between the stabilization grants and the supplemental grants is that the stabilization grants were able to reach a wider variety of families because they didn't have that same income restriction. So there was much more of a combination of the poorest families, lower income families, middle class families were able to benefit from that. Novisky said it is important to understand that in the child care industry, subsidies refer to the payments that are made to providers for services provided to specific children. All right, so it's an individual payment per child who's being served in a child care setting. 
Novisky said some ARPA funds had dedicated purposes or places they had to be spent. One of these designations was subsidy payments, so the state increased the rates it paid for each child. The DHHR also expanded eligibility to everyone, regardless of income, who met the definition of essential worker, as outlined in the governor's March 2020 executive order. Novisky said the DHHR has taken steps to mitigate the loss of ARPA funds. Novisky also said. In October of 2022, the DHHR restored income eligibility requirements for childcare subsidies. When we saw that those monies were dwindling, we circled the wagons here, tried to figure out what we could do to stretch those out as long as we could, and we put an income limit back on. When this ARPA funding allocated for subsidy assistance was exhausted in May of 2023, the DHHR set aside $24 million of temporary assistance for needy families, or TANF, funding to allow providers to continue being paid by enrollment for services rendered through August 2024. So until、uh, September of next year, services provided through August of next year. Then、uh, we'll be able to keep the pay by enrollment going, as well as those increased rates. Novisky and other experts agree a long-term solution would be the best-case scenario. Now we don't anticipate readjusting rates downward, but、uh, you know, absent an influx of additional funding, we may have to go back to a pay by attendance model,、uh, which again is not ideal. Childcare providers nationally are advocating and and trying to. Move toward the the pay by enrollment model, and in fact, I think Congress is looking at the issue. So we hope they have some additional funding that'll come along with that. Bill Franco is an associate professor of political science and director of graduate studies at the West Virginia University Eberly College of Arts and Sciences. He worries that childcare settings will struggle to pay their staff at the same rate they have since 2021. And so, what's going to happen is there these centers are not going to have. The the money to pay、uh, living wages to the the child、uh, to the to the center workers, and so you're going to have fewer people who are going to want to enter that industry or stay in that industry. It's going to be much more temporary, like it was prior to the 2021 influx、um, of of the of the child care stabilization funds. For Appalachia Health News, I'm Emily Rice in Charleston. Appalachia Health News is a project of West Virginia Public Broadcasting, with support from Charleston Area Medical Center and Marshall Health. West Virginia Morning is a production of West Virginia Public Broadcasting, which is solely responsible for its content. You can keep up with the latest West Virginia news throughout the day on our website, wvpublic.org. Support for our news bureaus comes from Shepherd University. West Virginia Morning is produced with help from Bill Lynch, Brianna Heaney, Caroline McGregor, Chris Schultz, Curtis Tate, Emily Rice, Eric Douglas, Liz McCormick, and Randy Yowie. Caroline McGregor is our assistant news director, and she produced today's show. I'm your host, Teresa Wills. This is West Virginia Morning.